Fill the bay. Yeah, we're gonna fill the bay with sand, and then we're gonna build houses so that more that people can come by. Idea. Why not? Let's do it. It's only like four or five feet deep. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Across the Aisle. There are a lot of podcasts meant to give you a story, to give you expert advice, or to deliver your political ideology in an easily digestible digital pill. Our aim is slightly different. A podcast born out of the pleasure of conversation. We are three friends living on a slowly sinking peninsula, drinking kava, and inviting you to join in on our musings. We try to go with the conversation more than construct the conversation. Our conversations cover current events, technology, politics, art, entertainment, and much more, as points used to expand on our larger theme each week. Sometimes we reach the heights of Socratic dialogue, or we are just talking shit, and of course we repeat ourselves, usually the latter. My name is Adam. My name is Zach. And I'm Casey. This is Across the Aisle. Sometimes we crowd it, sometimes we cross it. Hello, it's December 6th. This is Across the Aisle. I'm Adam. I'm Zach. And Kaysen is not with us today, but we do have a special guest. Lewis. So today, y'all, I wanted to talk. We live, of course, in St. Petersburg, Florida, which comes up and is very topical all the time. It's in the news a lot lately. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about this concept of snowbirds. For people who don't live in the South, a snowbird is someone who lives in the South. They're, they're from a cold area, and they come down and live in the South in the wintertime for at least, I would say, three months. Um, I think it depends. I think it's more so, like, the habituality of it. Like, if you only come down for, like, a month or two, but you specifically come down, like, November, every December. Year. Every, every year. Every year. Yes, yes. It's almost like a migratory pattern. Yeah. Like the name Snowbird. Snowbird. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, so they come down, and they live, and this has been going on for quite some time. Um, I'd probably say, like, 50-ish years. Well, started in the 60s. Well, yeah, actually, John Rockefeller was a uh, snowbird. He had a, a house in somewhere in Florida at, on a beach, and he yeah. lived there for three or four I mean, months every... I mean, Al Capone did. He actually had a couple houses in St. Pete. In St. Pete, yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend lived in one of his houses, and the only reason, we were like, no, he didn't. He's like, I have a basement. We're like, what? You have a basement, and you live in Florida? And he didn't live, like, in a high, like, ceiling level. He just had, like, a basement at, like, any <laughs> house. It was so weird. For yeah. the hooch. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's probably some underground tunnels that, you know, you couldn't, uh... I don't know, I kind of want to dig under his, his basement and see if there's any, like, secret, up du- double secret hooch. Just like there, there might be. The word on the street is the building that the lure is in was uh, old Al Capone haunt for his brothel and card room. Really? Mm-hmm. And they've mm-hmm. done tours of it before it got redeveloped by the Penny Hoarder. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I d- had no idea. It does um, go far back. I was picking the 60s because that's when the more like... Of course you have rich people that have been coming down here for years. I mean, like right, very right. famously you had entire... Like, Miami was still decently developed, but it was mostly, like, you had one Miami strip that had a bunch of hotels that, like, rich doctors and surgeons went to, and musicians, and, like, a couple big businessmen. That was about it. Yeah. So, I I didn't really think much about it, except that we're experiencing that. So, yeah, that's, for people that aren't in Florida, that's what's happening. We're experiencing snowbirds 
in the last like month or so, yeah. I think especially after Thanksgiving time, you get a large increase of them. Yeah. And so in Florida, like I work in a grocery store and we're we jumped up like twenty percent um business, yeah. which is a big amount of business, you know. It yeah. feels they have to so get much all busier. their groceries all over again. Right. And there's just a big population. Um yeah. So the numbers are kind of hard to figure out. I tried to do some research after I said I wanted to do this episode. They're harder to figure out than um, you might think. It's I guess it's difficult to take track of that migratory population. Well, a lot of it's like you have to think of like the best guess you'd have is like when people have their electricity bill being paid. But that could also just be like somebody just not being able to afford it or, right. you know, moving houses or whatever. Right. So in... um. The last number I could find for our county, Pinellas County, was in 2004, and this blew my mind. The snowbird population is two was in 2004 was 246,000. I can um, see that, and that was one four, a little bit over a fourth, a quarter of the entire Pinellas population is, is snowbird. Is that <clears throat> excuse me? Is that from a specific time to a specific time? Um, it was in 2000, no, not, no, it's, like it's in kind of loose, yeah. And that was, um, that was from a St. Pete, like, article I found, um, written in 2005, like, talking about last year's snowbird season, and like, oh, it seems like it's rising up, so I know Yeah, but it was also the housing market going up, that was yeah. pre-recession, that was pre, like, Disney had to shut down a right. couple of days in, like, 2007 and eight because of the recession, so... I mean, that's telling you something. True. If, if the mouse shuts down, it's serious. But I know Florida, in general, has had a huge population growth. Um, yeah. Since 2004. Like, in our area, in the past few years, like, Lewis, you've lived here longer. Like, what, it's grown it, like crazy, I've been right? here eight years um, since North Carolina, and just the development and overall population has it probably doubled. Yeah, Since, that's that's yeah. what I keep being told. Um, I don't know the actual numbers on that, but that's yeah. that's amazing. I've been here for about nine ish years. So I'd, I'd say that's about accurate. St. Pete used to just whether it's a feeling, I guess, I guess it just used to feel a bit smaller. Like now, I go downtown and I feel like I'm in a bigger city. Like there have been nights where, you know, one week I'll go to Tampa on a Friday and it's not as busy as St. Pete on a Thursday. Like downtown, sometimes just how it is. And it's weird to think of because, you know, the big hubs of Florida are, you know, in my opinion anyway, decreasing, like, notoriety for Florida is, like, Orlando because you have the mouse and you have Orlando Studios. And then Miami because it's just really big hub. And then you have, like, Tallahassee because it's the state capital. And then you have Tampa. Tampa's bigger than Tallahassee like, oh, by yeah. far. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. So we're part of the Tampa Bay area, yeah. like the greater metro area. And I just meant notoriety. I think it's the fastest growing area in the U.S. is what I read earlier today. Um, I believe it. I it mean, might be the second. Maybe it was the second, but it was the definitely the fastest growing in um, in Florida. We have to think we kind of bounced back easier from the lack of tourists, kind of because of the snowboards we had. Like we didn't think we'd have those back all the time because people can't always afford to just pick up and drive down here. A lot of them tend to be, like, retired people. Not all of them, but, like, I know that I've met some snowbirds that come down just from, like, 
after Thanksgiving, stay until, like, towards the end of January, and then go back, but they have, like, an office job that they can do, like, online commuting to, where they log into their right. a lot work of laptop, work. and then can just go back, and they're just doing paperwork. I do feel like the whole Snowbird philosophy, or the idea of it, is definitely a generational thing. I think it has to do more with the pre-baby boomer, boomers into baby boomers, so I feel like as we progress forward, that idea of of going down as because it's generally older folks going outside of where you live for an extended period of time has a different connotation to that yeah i mean you also need to have like two homes essentially yeah i mean i know that there are it's rare but there are some snowbirds that you know whether they rent up north or whatever and then their lease expires and then they come down and they have a home down here that they rent out the rest of the year or you know they just have a house that they rent out month to month and then you know, they kind of warn their tenants, like, hey, we're going to be back to help pay for it, because that's just their lifestyle, that's what they like to do. Right. But I'm, I'm seeing that a lot less. It's more people coming down who have established homes, or they have a condo. So, yeah, what I what I read on it was that it seemed the older generation, um, the pre-baby boomers, they were... The greatest re- generation? Yeah. The greatest. They were, they were the greatest, <laughs> and they were retired... And they were moving down. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll well, say also this. that whole, like, going to start a family thing. You have the whole suburbia idea being planted into the the greatest generation as they're coming back from World War Two. Some of them from World War... Well, not, no. Not World War One. my bad. But uh, World War Two specifically and settling down and, you know, that urban, that suburban sprawl starting... The idea of, you know, going and owning a house and maybe owning two houses because you have that much money. Well, from what I read was that it's the baby boomers who are um, doing that. That the baby boomers are well, they com- they're a lot more um, wealthy and they're coming down buying property and maintaining several properties, usually renting it out at certain times yeah. and stuff like that. Whereas the... The Greatest Generation was more of a retiree, and that was in the 80s. Um, that's In the 80s, Snowbird became really popular, the phrase, because um, of the people retiring down. Even though it originated um, over 100 years ago as a term for migrant workers, which yeah. is really strange. But one thing I learned that was kind of interesting was why so many baby boomers have, like... This is kind of going back to our generational podcast, but I learned a bit more about it and how, you know, the idea of, like, factory work going down and you have all these, you know, baby boomers who claim to have worked in factories for 30 years and then retired and then, you know, factory work's gone down because it's chipped away. I found out why it was. So much of World War II was in Africa, Europe, and some parts of Asia that they were focusing on developing their country and making sure the people were taken care of. They did, that businesses didn't have time to develop factories and rebuild factories. So America became the de facto place for manufacturing because you couldn't really go anywhere else because it would cost more to build a new factory, get new workers, than it would be to just import from America. But then going into the 70s and 80s, that's when that started to kind of slow down a bit and you started to see the the little bit of boom in Europe and Africa and Asian manufacturing. I just thought that was an interesting thing to point yeah, out. Yeah, that's... That's real. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, now, Snowbirds has some connotations, too. It's become 
since the 80s more of a negative connotation to it. Um, Has it? It, it depends is, on your perspective, I feel like. Yeah, it, it, it probably does... Per, um, it is perspective. It seems to have more. I actually mentioned to a Canadian um, earlier this week that I was doing a podcast on snowbirds. That's the ultimate snowbird. Yeah, Canada. well, she seemed kind of irritated. She said that she was a winter um, citizen and <laughs> that snowbird was kind of rude. Like she was like, snowbird's kind of rude, don't you think? She's uh, trying to church it up. <laughs> Excuse me, maybe. Don't well, you know? <laughs> she didn't. She wasn't that uh, stereotypical, actually. Um, she probably migrated to Canada and then comes down. Um, yeah. But and that's that's the thing is like um, it seems to be used in a lot of media or like online and social media as a little bit more of a pejorative to complain about. Slow drivers, uh, crowded restaurants, and stuff Bad like that. Bad tippers. Bad tippers is a very common one. Um, I definitely, like I said, I, I see this huge increase in my work. It's a lot busier. Honestly, I notice the a little more rudeness from customers um, during what we call season um, yeah. here in Florida because you... You get an influx of so much more business, um, and a lot of them are wealthier, so they spend yeah. high amounts of money. A lot of these snowbirds at my store are buying lots and lots of wine, like you know, two hundred dollar wine orders. And that's it. It's like okay, um, but you you guys both work in the service industry. Lewis, yeah. you've worked in the service industry for a while. What are what what is the general consensus on snowbirds? Well, the snowbird is. Um it's a necessary evil. Yeah. I mean, we need the revenue. I mean, we are a tourism-based economy, so that does that is a faction of tourism, but at the same time you can also push out your regular full-time, you know, citizens that that yeah. You you make your money on the rest of the year for these snowbirds who may not tip as well or may not treat you as well, but inevitably Inevitably, they're going to be here anyway. And they raise the volume, so like it's easier to usually to find work um, at this time of the year. Though it can also lead to being let go or your hours cut during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the seasonal, the seasonality of employment here makes life kind of strange. Um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the difference between restaurants and bars, is turnaround. Because ah, yeah, people yeah. complain about, I hear people complain more about crowded restaurants than crowded bars. Because like, it, I mean, like a crowded bar isn't that big of a deal. Like, does it really matter if it takes you five minutes to get your goddamn fucking whiskey sour? Like, shut the fuck up for five minutes. Because a bartender can deal with get three beers for somebody, and even if they tip tip shitty, if they only leave you like two bucks, three bucks, if you're lucky, it's all volume at that point. But yeah, exactly. It's like you just made nine dollars in the span of five seconds because you got someone three beers and then your regular who's going to be there regardless if there's a hundred snowbirds or one snowbird they're still tipping you 10 20 bucks yeah they're not gonna oh well you have so much volume here so i'm not gonna tip you as much like i mean maybe some people are like that but i've never seen that ever and then when it comes to restaurants i work in a restaurant that doesn't have very quick turnover but we try to but it's just because we're more of a sit-down restaurant um but I have friends that are at the more beach restaurants where turnover is very heavy, 
where that starts to become a little bit of an issue of bad tippers because, you know, if you're in a sit-down kind of restaurant where you're going to be there for like an hour and a half, two hours, kind of expectedly, doesn't yeah. really matter because you're just filling up seats. But if you're in a high turnaround, you know, you're sitting there for 30 minutes, eat your boom, food, boom, get boom, your beer, yeah. get out. If you're getting shitty tippers, that's really going to fuck with your day because that goes from a Friday being a $200 day to Friday being a $150 day sometimes. At the, at the same time, though, I feel like I'd almost rather have that quick uh, table turn because, obviously, again, it just goes to volume than have yeah. a two-hour table that's going to leave me 10%. Oh, I'd rather no. I take, you know, six, you know, or four, you know, 10% tips over two hours than one ten percent. I totally agree with you, but yeah, there are some sense. restaurants that are more the sit-down kind of yeah, way, absolutely. and you're kind of used to that, and, you know, sometimes it sucks. It just kind of depends on you as a server and what you do, because I'm just a busser, so, I mean, more people in the restaurant just means I just get more money because the restaurant gets more money because right. the you don't have to deal with them necessarily. Yeah, I'm... Um, I notice bigger trays, you notice but. it downtown as well as too. Like so, like our downtown is. I mean, it's awesome. I love it. It's booming and stuff. But like during this time of the year, it can be pretty. It, it feels small. Yeah, and it, it's overwhelming and it feels small. The uh, it's crowded down there. Like especially at nighttime or like by the actual beaches and stuff. It's interesting. I um, see. I've noticed that locals are getting out more though yeah definitely we're we we've been doing so many more activities and promoting that and it's great um, yeah our city has a lot to do with that in the past i want to say six years they've really promoted you know local local ability to go out in their own community and have fun that isn't dependent on a bar yeah. Or a restaurant. The camaraderie's expanded a lot. But yeah, like it's a this... lot more than just going to a company and buying something and you might exactly. see someone. Yeah, I mean it's the street fairs they're doing and, and all sorts I mean, it seems like every weekend they've got a street blocked off, which is good and bad, but for the you know, local economy it's great. Yeah. And and just <clears throat> and beyond the economy, like it is nice to live in a city that has events. I might not go to all of them, I know I might not go to most of them, but it. I don't know. Maybe that's psychological. There's something that feels good about knowing I could go to this fair or to this festival, like this, the seafood festival, you know, all these things. It just it's makes like, a more inclusive, you know, local yeah. fabric. Yeah. Um, and so it's funny. I thought there would be more, to be frank, a little bit more shit talk in here. Um, a little more fuck you to the snowbirds. Um, and maybe it's because... I feel a little bitter towards <laughs> snowbirds, and I thought more people did. I hear a lot of complaints about them in general, but I thought both of you would have a little more hatred. Um, well, I don't drive. Lovingly. So I don't, yeah, you know. I don't deal with the driving. Right, right. You know, I have to deal with my girlfriend who's driving around right now, but I don't really have to deal with that. Uh, you know, when it comes to shitty tippers, like I'm getting tipped the same well, amount, I think that them being a little bit more on the ability to have enough money to just get up for three months of the year and then go to your other house, they're a little bit more snooty, but you don't really have to deal with that if you don't want to. Right. I, I do. I, I yeah. deal with it directly at my yeah. work. Um, yeah. I used to work in a grocery store, so I remember right, right, it was right. annoying because I dealt with that for two years in a row. But in the yeah. service industry, this being my first um, season, it's not as bad, at least yeah. at my restaurant. Well, my wife pointed out to me that maybe I felt so bitter is because I wish I was a uh, a sunbird. 
which if you, I didn't know this, is they're far smaller, but they live in hot climates, typically Florida or Arizona or Texas, the same places snowbirds go. They don't only go to Florida, although we collect <laughs> more than others. Yeah, um, that's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, a sunbird would go up during the few summer months, like um, June, July, August, and go up north. Um, and like I was like, yeah, I... I wish I could go up to Maine every summer um, <laughs> and spend the time there, but I can't. There's no way in hell I could do that. Maybe when I'm 65, but probably not. And I think yeah. that is the fundamental thing that irks me and a lot of other people, um, you know, subconsciously, is that you know when someone tells you they're a snowbird, you know they're pretty well off, and you kind of feel, I feel a little bit like, oh, well, you got enough money to do whatever you want, and you're kind of invading my city and making it slightly more irritating, but I also just feel like you have this air of superiority about it. Um, I mean... They usually do. Yeah. I've had a weird thought about it just because of the gentrification that I've seen in St. P. a little bit more of the, you know, exploiting art districts just to get cheaper rent, and then once those small people that are just trying to do really good, once that art district tax cut or rent bump goes down and then you have to pay full rent for it, somebody swoops in and then turns it into some metropolis, perfect, clean and polished place that the snowbirds love to go to. But I've also noticed that the wealthy people that just live in the city will be going to those places as well. Yeah. Because, well, they have, they're not they move money here off of too. three months. Yeah. Some, a lot of people just move here. Um, people start off spending three months a year, and then it's six months a year, and then it's, oh, I go home one month a year, and then it's, yeah. I live here. Yeah. Um, well, I guess when you get to the point where you can retire and you don't, you're not anchored back to Ohio, which Ohio is horrible. I've never been. I just hate it. Um, <laughs> it it's not the greatest place. I've been there. Just the, peop- <laughs> the people have turned me off from the entire state. But once you're retired, you, and, I mean, grandkids, eh, they're not that great. You know, go to live in Florida full time. You already have the extra house. Yeah. You know? Give it to the the favorite daughter or son. And yeah. Then, or, I mean. Or sell it or sell rent it, it out. Yeah. Why not just rent it out? So, um, yeah. And you know what? And to, be, to give Snowbirds... Uh, credit as well, because I express my contempt, um, <laughs> some psychological shit, but it makes sense, of course, because, like, especially the older snowbirds. Now, when someone is, like, 35 and they have a second home in Florida, I have a strong contempt for them, but we're not going to get into that. So you're 65 <laughs> or whatever, you're 60, and you live in Canada or Michigan or Maine or Vermont, and you want to come down for Florida? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, the older you get, the more the cold hurts, the more it affects um, your joints, <laughs> the harder it is to shovel snow, the more likely uh, a slip on the ice is going to be dangerous and injure you. Um, so, and they actually have done studies and have shown that snowbirds are generally way healthier than people who stay in cold regions all the time. That might be related to the fact that they're probably wealthier. Yeah. Um, 
I think they're just more active. They, they're and willing they, to get in a car and drive active. 15 hours down here, you know? Oh, and there's a snowbird culture, um, which <clears throat> makes sense, too. There's, like, magazines and radio shows. There's magazines? I get yes. the radio shows. There's, there's magazines? Blog, yes, and there's blog. There's a lot of blog sites. That I get. Um, I get yeah, radio there's full-on magazines and yeah. publications <laughs> by snowbirds for snowbirds. Um they travel in pairs there, a lot of the time. There's a niche for everything, though. Yeah. Um, there's actually... in So, in Canada, there's a snowbird... The Canadian Snowbird Association. It's a 65-plus uh, group that does activism and advocacy rights for snowbirds to help uh, <laughs> their legal um, standing. Because apparently they can get into, like... Yeah, they get in... To issues with their visas. Yes, yes. So they try to, like, advocate for them. That makes um, sense. See, I don't consider that a snowbird, though. That's a Canadian. They're foreigners. I mean... <laughs> you know, that's... All right, so... Yeah, I don't consider Canadians snowbirds. Canadians are Canadians. Yeah. That's... I... It's interesting. If, if someone from Canada wants to come to Florida for three months out of the year and they want to do that, that's fine. Like, I'm not... I'm not going to call you a snowbird or consider you a snowbird. Oh, I Because will. you're... But that's, that's the thing, is that's the same thing as calling anybody who, like, you know, three months out of the year is well off and from any other country coming to America for just, oh, I just want to go to Florida and enjoy the weather. Like, what does it matter? Like, as long as you're not some Russian mobster that's coming to kill me, I don't care. All right, so, well, we have a lot of Russians and uh, Germans as well that come in yeah, here during s- snowbird season. Slavic languages are yeah. some of the... It's like, I think we're, like, number... I don't think we're number one in the country, but we're, like... We're high up there when it comes to speakers and our number one, like our number top five languages not being just like yeah. English, Spanish, French, and then whatever little town we have, whether it be like Chinatown or Little Italy or whatever it is. Like we have, like I'm pretty sure our breakdown is like English, Spanish, German, and then like Russian, and then it's like French down at the bottom, which is weird. That is strange. Um, so this kind of surprised me. And so these numbers are for the U.S., not for Florida. I couldn't find Florida-specific numbers. I did look. Um, the number of Canadians. What percentage um, of snowbirds do you think are Canadian? If you had to guess. I mean, I know 10%. obviously. I, I, I'd say closer to 30. I mean, all 10. the Canadian tags I see. 30 and 10. So... Keep in mind, I did see that Florida does tend to register more Canadians than the other snowbird states, but in the U.S. What are the gen- other snowbird states? Like Louisiana, Louisiana, uh, Texas. No, I didn't see Georgia. Texas okay. and Las Vegas and Arizona are really big. Okay, um, I can see Nevada, that. Las Vegas. Um, they probably all go to Las Vegas though, and those are often those states tend to be more RV snowbirds. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas yeah. we tend to be more vacation rental or second home snowbirds. Yeah. Um, though we do have our RV parks here. And when RVs come down, they look like migrating birds all coming together. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though that's not where the term originated. So, of the U.S. snowbirds, 10% are foreign. Only 10% are foreign. Woo! Only 5% are Canadian. Oh, okay. Which blows my mind. They're just so horrible, though. They feel like there's a lot more of them. Well, yeah. Or maybe a lot of them specifically come to our county, which would be weird, but maybe it happens. Um, yeah. I had another Canadian uh, today at work, 
and he told me he was in town for three days, and I was like, oh, hey, I'm doing a podcast on snowbirds today, and he laughed, and I said, you know, a Canadian earlier this week told me that that was kind of a nasty word, and he said, ugh, was she a snowbird? And I said, well, yeah, and he was like, well, they're the worst Canadians, that's why. (laughs) So, (laughs) the Canadians hate the snowbirds for some reason. I didn't know Canadians could hate. (laughs) It's like as soon as you get citizenship, it's removed from you. They yeah, don't hate denim, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess the reason I don't consider Canadian snowbirds is because I don't believe they have the same intention as somebody from like Maine or Massachusetts or Vermont or New York coming down here, where it's they're well-off people who are coming down specifically because they don't feel like to me. The stereotypic snowbird isn't that they can't deal with winter or that they, you know, want to be a part of this culture. It's because they don't want to deal with winter. They don't want to <laughs> have to deal with shoveling snow. So they just wait for the snow to start dropping and then they wait or until Thanksgiving pops. And then after that, they come down and then by the time they get home, all the snow is melted from their roof and they don't have to deal with it. But a Canadian coming down here to me is more a foreigner or, or, or somebody who's, you know, obviously more well-off because you're still traveling, what, 2,000 miles away, yeah. maybe a little bit more, more. to get yeah. here, depending on where in Canada you're from, just to get here and stay for, like, three months in a vacation home. I think that's a little different. I see what you're saying, but I think a lot of it does stem from the same roots. But I, I, there is a difference, well, you're right. I, I mean, um, the also, is- the Canadians, in general, it's uh, their money is, does a little bit better than ours. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think, I can't, I don't know what it is right <clears throat> now. Um, I mean, to me anyway, it's like, I think of a snowbird coming down here just because they can. Like, you can go to any of the states. You can go to Hawaii. Why don't you just go to Hawaii? You're a U.S. citizen. It's it's not an issue to go to Hawaii. In fact, like, a majority of Hawaii is white anyway, which is, I, like, most snowbirds tend to be white. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, um, I haven't, I, I've seen a lot of different well-off people who are snowbirds of different races, but a majority of them tend to be white. Um, So, Hawaii is gaining popularity as a snowbird state right now. Um, So are places like uh, Puerto Rico and... They, um, that that's what I don't understand. Is like you can go to a but, tropical island, keep your citizenship, not have to go to a visa process, and but those uh, but the majority of them are older, and they're not wanting to fool around with going to Costa Rica or Hawaii. I, so I've been to Hawaii. It was one of the most beautiful experiences in my life. The U.S. Yeah. should have never stole it. Um, well, you went to Maine, we, we just, I know, we just it's pretended funny, that certain international laws didn't exist um, and that our constitution, certain parts of it just, I mean, I was like overwhelmed with pride and joy and awe and despair, um, at various moments being in Hawaii, but it's not easy getting there. That oh, no. was fucking a hell of a plane ride, um, and travel days and Hawaii itself was like full. You know, I mean, this sounds kind of like a truism or whatever, but it's full of some dangerous shit. Like oh, yeah. there were so many moments where I kind of slipped or like barely lost my footing and was like, "Oh my god, I could have fallen off a mountain." Or you know, well, and I that's not 
like that wasn't always doing crazy shit. Sometimes no. it was just being out in town. No, no, um, I agree with you there. But what I'm thinking of, like the culture of snowbirds being, I just want to get away from winter. Like you have the U.S. Virgin Islands as well, where you can keep your citizenship and the rent's kind of cheap. Like snowbirds want to be able to drive the load up the Crown Victoria and go somewhere for a few months. I mean, I feel it's like a that is about a the desti- huge the trip. The huge part of yeah. it is is being able to drive there. My grandparents were snowbirds for 15 years. From uh, March to May, every year they would come down and t- stay in a timeshare in Sand Key. And they did this for 12 years, 15 years. <clears throat> and it was always the same. Load up everything that they had to have that reminded them of Northern Virginia. Pack it up the car, come down here and stay in this time. And pretend that... They didn't look awkward in their clothes because they had no idea what real Floridians dressed like. Yeah, even yeah. older Floridians didn't dress like they did. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. I guess, I guess I just think of like the ability to go to any of the fifty states where winter isn't as harsh. Yeah, because there's like, like you listed like four, five states yeah. there that are snowbirds, but there's more. There should like, be a lot more. Like, but... why don't you go to Wyoming? So, like. I don't know why anyone would want to go to Wyoming, but you have the ability to go to any of the 50 states. Right. Make, make a thing out of it. Like well, Florida's the most popular. Look, Rick Scott, our governor, <laughs> spent $67 million on... On Medicare fraud? No, on promoting, um, promoting people visit Florida last year. He tried to bump it up to $100 um, million this year, but it, it, wasn't, it didn't go through. Um, we have the we mouse. Had, we have Universal Studios. Come visit our state. What yeah. else do you need? Well, so Florida, well, because they're actually they promote this area quite a bit as well. Mm, like absolutely, with Clearwater being number one beach in America. Or, yeah, um, I hear uh, the ads on Spotify all the time. Yeah, me yeah, too. I've been hearing it on just to shout out a podcast that will never recognize me in my existence, though I listen to them as much as possible. And I, I love you guys. Wait, wait, don't tell me. There have been numerous times where I've been listening to their podcast, and then all of a sudden they're doing an ad read, and I'm just sitting there, and then it's just like, come to St. Pete Clear. And I'm just like, what the f- I'm already there. I'm here. Uh, You're talking about me. Yeah, it's well. the closest they'll get to recognizing me. In 2017 so far, because um, it's not quite over, we eh. Florida had 60.7 million tourists visit yeah. it, which is... Uh, this oh, is season. It was a pretty big increase from last year. This is season for Disney. This is season for Universal Studios. I mean, in this area, you have a bunch of restaurants that just essentially are graveyards until yeah. November. So, and then, so here's some shit about the snowbirds, though. Um, especially as it is becoming more popular with baby boomers and they're coming down younger, um, especially the more wealthy ones. Uh, the Orlando area during season, um, during snowbird season and stuff, faces water shortages. Um, the rest of Florida big cities, like the Tampa Bay area and stuff, we've, we're close to that. Our sewage systems, which are bad during the summer, are also pushed to capacity during this uh, time of year when the population yeah. increases. Our rents are also affected because so many of these people hold property that they're not actively using all the time and they don't as much as you know we've kind of discussed some reasons why we like them and stuff and i admit it already i'm bitter about it they they don't have as much investment in the area 
Um, and I'm not sure how you go about really dealing with that because I don't want to push the idea like a, a full localization idea and a full idea of like, no, like set up your roots and stuff. That's not me. Um, but also I feel like it, I mean, living here, they don't have the same kind of investment in the city that someone is living here. They're not, they're not putting any of, any of themselves in it. They're putting their money in it, which, you know, money equals speech these days. So, you know, some will argue that it's just as good, but yeah, rent has gone through the roof around here. It's, it's a, a number of things. Like I said, it's a necessary evil, but I prefer to serve my locals all day long just because I feel like they're more appreciative. And a lot of, a lot of people, tourists in general, realize I'll never be back to this place again. I don't give a fuck if I stiff this guy. I've had that happen. I've been doing this for way too long. I have that happen all the time with tourists. So I just don't like tourists. Yeah. So, you know, but their investment in the community is zero, but they get all the benefits out of it for however long they're down here. Yeah. yeah. Some say that the invention of AC was a death sentence for Florida. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that I was know. the biggest thing. Like, people didn't really live here until AC became a viable thing. Like, there are people who lived here. They did. Yeah, It was but very small. Like, again, St. Pete's 100 years old. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it has grown. And, you know, there are more people that want to live in these great big places. But, I mean, I think the problems you listed, while, yes, are impacted heavily by snowbirds, the infrastructure problem is Oh, for sure. Systemic. I know. It is, for sure. Those are just... They definitely seem to... They tax the system. Yeah. Oh, no, they totally do. But you're right, you're right. I think that's the case in any place where you have major tourism. I mean... Yeah. And then you have places that aren't really that affected by tourism that are still fucked by infrastructure that's too old because it's designed for when their town or their city wasn't meant to go over, you know, 75,000 people in it. And then now they have... You know, twenty five thousand or one hundred fifty thousand people, and it's barely you know chugging along. But we haven't changed it in forty years, so yeah. might as well just deal with it. So yeah, um, yeah, that that roots idea and investment and community and what all that means, especially amidst places like us, which are pushing localization, which feels really great as a citizen here, but ultimately will lack something um i know zach like we're both socialist communist uh whatever you want to call it Um, collectivists yeah i'm not throwing lewis into any ideology i honestly don't know Um, yeah this is the slowly radicalizing case in podcast not the slowly (laughs) radicalizing but so but you know i think about that when i think uh like that's a problem we would have to socialist have to tackle is migration and stuff like that you know in uh the crazy American utopia dual power in the Universal Army by Frederick Jameson has called for militarization of the whole country or whatever. Um, he puts forward this idea where you replace tourism, in air quotes, with city relocations, where whole cities like Tampa and Madison, Wisconsin would switch places for three months out of the year. Um, I'd love to know how you even implement something. I like kind of want to go. It's to a very crazy book where it's like I'm going to talk about utopia ideas 
of course they won't work. It's up to you to figure them out, or it's up to you to figure out how to improve yeah. this. It's just about... That's taking Sister City to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like a, and, you know, that something like that might work if we were, you know, if... Uh, obviously, I don't want it controlled to the point where it's like you get assigned a city completely, but if there was some kind of reciprocity where I could go somewhere as well, and you had a little more route... Yeah. Roots and the ability to migrate. I don't yeah. know. Well, to bring up a, a very old Florida idea from a very famous man, you do have the Epcot idea. I mean, most people think of Epcot as just like the big golf ball place in Disney World, but Walt Disney actually had the idea of this this universal city that people could go and live that was built on you know scientific advancement, medical advancement... And just advancement of people and that, you know, you'd live there and you'd have these companies that were on the outskirts and, you know, you'd have an underground level that... That's Walt Disney? Yeah, Walt Disney came up with this idea. But didn't he get himself frozen until the Jews were gone? No, no, that's never going to happen. It's just until most of the Jews are gone. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, Disney but, scares me. <laughs> well, Disney does scare me a little bit, but his idea of a city of tomorrow did kind of have like of a course. weird thing of tourism where his idea was because, okay, people are going to come to Walt Disney World for tourism. What if we implement this town where, you know, companies would come in and they would use this live living city, this town, to, you know, test how people like their products, how they respond to them. Is this vacuum actually that good? Is they're competing with other different things and letting it be a migratory thing where people could leave and then come back and then like it was it was an interesting idea. That sounds interesting. Yeah. His the celebration Florida. That's uh, the point I was going to bring up. I yeah. thought that's kind of what celebration started off as as his idea of a, a control I don't want to say controlled society. But a very well planned out society. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I can't remember what the acronym Epcot <clears throat> stands for. I, I can look it up really quick. But it does have like, it kind of explains the purpose that he was going for. Lewis, have you been to um, Celebration Florida? I've driven through it. I've. I I've what driven is Celebration through Florida. I'm not it's sure. Just what a little is. town that it's like super high tech. Everything is planned out extremely well, ah. and it's owned by the Disney Corporation, right? <clears throat> well, yeah. to my is, knowledge, it still is. Yes. Yes, this is what it originally Epcot was supposed to stand for: Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. It was supposed to be a, a like, like a utopian idea of everybody coming together. You know, you'd you'd have like on the outskirts, you'd have like. GE and, um, you know, let's say like Ford and you'd have like a bunch of big American companies and you'd live in the town, you'd live in there and then, you know, you get products from the different companies and they so all... So it's just a big living test market. Pretty much, yeah. And that was his idea yeah. was that, you know, you could leave whenever you wanted to, you could come back, you'd work for these things. They and, always tell you you can leave whenever you want to. Yes. Uh, interestingly enough, some... A place most people don't know about, but you do know about, is the city of London. Not London, the city, the capital of England, but the city inside of London, which is also called London. I can't explain that right now. It's way too long. It's one of my favorite things in the universe. But they developed a similar kind of idea where they they actually have it set up as if it's like an ancient, not ancient, but like medieval guilds 
And you have people that live on the outskirts of this small little compact place. They live in London, but they work in the city of London. Like, only 100,000 people actually live inside the city of London. But they somehow claim to have a population of almost a million, like 1.5 million or something. And it's because of the workers coming in. And they, they come in, they work, and then they go back to their houses. And that's kind of a similar-ish idea for Epcot. That's just the suburbs versus, you know, the city proper. Oh, no, exactly. But this is like a city that exists inside of another city. It's a very weird thing to explain in words. I've watched a lot of those strange strange geography videos on YouTube and stuff. I I have seen an explanation of that, and it's... Yeah, you're right. It's, yeah, it's, it's very crazy, but it does have that interesting idea of people can live wherever they want. They can live in Glasgow if they want to make, what, the three-hour, four-hour drive to their job in the city of London. And it kind of has this idea of centralizing business instead of centralizing people. Yeah. I don't like it. I mean, I don't like it either, but it definitely is an idea of, like, tourism and how to deal with it, because... No, it's one way, you're right. If you have a centralized location where people go to work and then people do other business, it's the same idea of, like, if you're you're on a road and you want to build a gas station, just find where another gas station is and put it on the other side of the road. Because there's going to be people who are driving down that side of the road, don't want to go over and just go to your place instead. You know, that kind of idea of... Oh, I know there's a gas station here, so I'll just put a gas station there so people can just come here and go. But allowing people to be more fluid with where they live, a little bit more nomadic, because you can move around the city and live, like, go and work in the same space. It's kind of why downtowns exist, in a sense, at least to me. I always think of them as the place you go to do business or work for a business. Most people don't live downtown, unless you're like... I mean, there are people who do live downtown, but... Downtowns are usually... That's become a more popular thing in the past 25, 30 years than it was before. Exactly. Like, downtown Tampa really had very few residents 30 years ago. Exactly. It was just the business hub of Tampa. Exactly. It's where all the commerce was done. Everybody lived outside of it. Yeah. And And I don't think I I like people moving into downtown areas. Like, when it comes to locals. Like, I'm sorry to take this off the road, but, like, I mean... That is something that I've noticed is people trying to replicate this urban sprawl by instead of allowing, you know, because suburban sprawl is still shitty and it doesn't work right. But I don't think the solution is putting people into big urban spaces and keeping them there because then you just have this cycle of people moving out because they're sick of the city. So they go to the suburbs or they go to the country, get a different job. Yeah, there's like the strange cases of... um... I think I talked about this briefly before of like China, the way they're set up is like the cities are so fucking densely packed with people yeah. and then there's huge spanses of pretty much wild nature. Yeah. Um and they do that on purpose because they want to preserve nature and like I you know, I'm pretty envir- environmentally aware of stuff and like, yeah, I think we need to preserve nature. But also, like, you look at the pollution in these cities and stuff and the compactness and the alienation of being around so many people. It looks fucking maddening. Maybe I just have more social anxiety than the average person. I couldn't live in New York, you know? I mean, I don't want to live in a big city either. And maybe it's just because I've only ever lived in either a small town in Massachusetts known as Norwood, which isn't that small, but it's still pretty damn fucking small. We had one middle school and one high school. Like... 
but yet five elementary schools. I don't know. It was a weird city or a weird little town. And then living in this kind of like in between city where you know we're not technically as big as Tampa. We have two hundred and sixty thousand is our population. Yeah, we have this a year. lot of people. Like yeah. most most cities, I think there's only ten. The top ten cities. Once you're looking at them population-wise in America, the tenth one isn't even a million. It's 900 and something thousand. But... Yeah. Whereas, like, in China, there's lots of cities with over exactly. a million people. Um, but just fewer cities. Yeah. <laughs> also, can we just talk about the whole, like, Amazon thing for a second? And how, like, apparently St. Pete threw their hat in the ring for, like... I'm not sure if anybody's heard of this. I don't know. I, yeah. I have. Yeah. Tell, me, tell us so, a little bit. So, I'm, I'm a bit annoyed with everything going on with this Amazon thing. But essentially, cities are just in a competition of humiliating themselves to the point of Amazon taking them. I'm pretty sure it was Chicago that said that they wouldn't take income taxes and let Amazon keep them or something. They're all vying to get Amazon's se- new... second headquarters. New it's not even a warehouse, because there's an Amazon warehouse... In Tampa, In right? Tampa. There's it, one in St. Pete. They're, yeah. They're hiring. Oh, really? Right for $10.50 an hour, yes. Woo, that's not much. No. But that's I mean... especially... That's... Ooh, that does nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still a little bit better than working retail $7 an hour. You know? So some yeah. people might take that $3 price hike. No, for sure. I mean, and I don't know about their uh, raises or anything like that. But anyways, keep going. But... We've now put our bid in, which I thought was insane because, like, well, look, we're, we're bidding to have a second Amazon headquarters with Tampa, with Miami, with Orlando, with I don't I don't think New York City put there. It's bidding. across the country. But yeah, like All some places are are willing to change the name of the city to Amazonville Amazon. or Amazon Town. Yeah. That's the well, I don't know how I'm giving this. That's creepy as hell. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> we will sell you our citizens. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I forget which city it is, but one city said that they would allow, they would take the income taxes from the workers and then give it back to Amazon at the end of the year. So, like, you'd still get that tax taken out of you, and Amazon wouldn't be required, required to reimburse you. You wouldn't get that as part of your reimbursement. Amazon would just take all that money. That's the craziest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, but I think that's the problem with urbanization, is that once you have so many people densely in cities and so many people trying to find new jobs, like, there are people in New York City who can't live, like, couldn't think not living in New York City, can't not think living in this big, beautiful city, and New York is, right. never been there. Being from Boston, I'm programmed to not like New York. But I'll give it the benefit of the doubt that it is a very historically rich city and very awesome, but my friends I know who have lived there don't go, like, a week without a job and then find another job just, like, 20 blocks down the road because they're always hiring, because they're always going through stuff, because there's always jobs to have, because there's always people leaving and coming and going and tourism and all this stuff. So it's crazy, but even, yeah, even St. Pete threw their hat in the ring to get the Amazon headquarters, even though... One of the requirements that Amazon put out when they put the proposal out there to the to all of America was, we need to have a city that's a minimum one million people. Yeah, which isn't much. Which okay. isn't which isn't even us. Multiply us by three. Multiply us by four. We don't hit it. They might just be considering the Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater area, which I think is just over a million people. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. might consider yeah the the Tampa, the Tampa Bay, Bay area. area. Yeah, 
But I would want that shit. Go away. Because eventually, the Tampa Bay area, Tampa Bay is going to be a city where it's all, all five of the counties are going to merge together into one conglomerate city. Well, I mean, if you see what happened in Miami, where you have all right. these people like coming Day. down, and you're just adding land and building into flood areas more and more, we're not even going to have a bay. We're not even going to be a peninsula inside a peninsula anymore. No, we're going to fill the bay. Yeah, we're going to fill the bay with sand, and then we're going to build houses so that more that people might be can a come good by. Idea. Why not? Let's do it. It's only like four or five feet deep. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah, aside from the shipping channels. It's yeah, besides it, the, they yeah. Had, they dra- drug those out. Um, no, I know. You used to be able to walk across the bay and catch fish. I'm, I'm still laughing at that. It's just like... It's such a ridiculous idea, but I'm... It just might work. <laughs> like, it's so crazy, it just might work. And that's where we... Well, all the snowbirds are required to live in what used to be the bay. bay. Yeah. So if it sinks, so we don't happens, they go first. Too much. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. It's cool. Well, I, all right. You know, I didn't expect to end up here, but <laughs> I guess I fully endorse this plan. Um, but, yeah, I think that that is a problem we're going to run into. Where to put people... Eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And not in an um, overpopulation, like, people should only have one child. Way, no, not in a world way, but in, a, in oh, where I we th- gather. I think we should completely do that. No. Like, cut off the the children thing. No. I think that's a great idea. I think there's a strong reason to argue for people having minimal children, but I don't, I can't imagine a way of enforcing it that I would uh, no. want to we're, get behind. I, <laughs> I, you know? I am unable to think of a book series that I read religiously as a child. There was like five or seven books in it that had that where you know parents could only have one child and the entire book series is about or no, they're only allowed to have two children and the entire series is about the thirds and all of these kids that were had whether because you know dad didn't feel like getting a condom or whatever didn't pull out fast enough and have had a third kid and them having to hide them and like how they can't go to school and how they have to be homeschooled and how they have to stay in the basement and you have like the rich families that openly have a third child but not publicly they'll have like they'll have a third child and then they'll have the maid say that it's their child but it'll still live at their house like they're they're rich. They're just the rich are really nice. They take yeah. care of their maids' children. I remember the first book ended with a the massive protest of all of the third children's coming out, and then you know just them all getting shot, except for like the main character who got away. Wasn't there a movie not too long ago, maybe eight years ago, with Clive Owen, where there hadn't been a child? Born? Children of Men. Children of Men. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that shit. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to have a super one percent class that's, you know, expands to twenty percent of the population, and then just has like a point five percent of the middle class, and then everybody else is just trying to kill each other to eat each other because it's the only way to get sustenance. Sounds great. We're heading down that road. Let's just embrace it. Look, we we elected Trump president. We can come back from this. This is just God testing us. It's all. We'll <sighs> fix it. Promise you, God. All right. So yeah, God will take the um, sacrifice of the two hundred and three hundred thousand <laughs> snowbirds that we put into the bay, I guess. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We can fit more than that in the bay. Probably. <laughs> um, I have no. I, I don't think I have any closing remarks. Do you, Zach? Uh, no, it's just kind of loose. I like it a lot. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you very much. For your time. Yeah, nice. thanks for coming. We're uh, across the aisle. I'm Adam. I'm Zach. Lewis.
Peace.